0: Welcome to the Man Talk Show. I'm Connor Beaton, and joining me today was a special guest from the Wisdom of Elder series that I hosted a few months back. This was the final of the four conversations that I had, and this conversation was with Elder Ni Gani Aki Imini or Dr. David Korshane. So we get into a good amount. He starts off the conversation with about 10 to 15 minutes. Um, something that he had prepared for the talk and really outlining some of the current crisis and times that we find ourselves in. And then he and I talk about a number of things, indigenous culture and um, some of the challenges that they're facing, that we are facing as a people, as a collective, uh, that societally, socially, culturally, our, our countries are facing and what elderhood could look like right now. We also talk about the future generations and the roles of men and women, uh, what initiated men look like, the role of women within our culture and society. And so it's a it's a pretty in-depth conversation. I hope that you enjoy this and without any further delay, please welcome Dr. David Crochain. I just want to first start by thanking you for for taking the time to to be here and really honor Actually, one of the men in one of the groups that I run called The Alliance, I had put it out. So there's we have about 300 men in a group that I run and mentioned that I wanted to put on this series about elderhood. And I was going to have men like Stephen Jenkinson, who's also a, a Canadian, and Francis Weller, who's a therapist and sort of leader down in the, in the United States, and Dr. James McCleary, who has spearheaded a lot of work within prison systems. In North America, rehabilitation programs. I put it out and said, "Who who should I speak to? You know, who who could I benefit from, and who would other people benefit from hearing?" And uh, one of the men, named Eric, had put forward your name and spoke very very highly of you, and says that he has listened to a lot of your a lot of your work and really admired you. And I dove in, and then you know, immediately captured and and knew that we had to speak. So I appreciate you being here. I just want to begin this conversation by just acknowledging all the Indigenous people of all the lands that we're on today, even though we're on a virtual platform, we're meeting virtually, I still want to acknowledge the importance of the lands that we have all come to call home. We do this to reaffirm the commitment, really, and the responsibility of improving the relationship between nations, between people, and to improve the understanding of the local indigenous people and in their, in their culture. And I mean, in, in, recent, in recent events, like very close to home, there's been a, a lot of news in and around this area. And so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to our conversation. So Elder Dr. Dave Corshain, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. And I'm just going to hand the virtual torch over to you and let you take it from here, Okay.
1: okay? Thank you so much, Connor. First of all, for giving me this opportunity to offer some words this afternoon. Something that we've always been waiting for as ones that have been given the responsibility to share as much of this ancestral knowledge that we we've been blessed to to have as a people you know we we've been waiting for these opportunities to to share this knowledge that I believe can can help lay a foundation to creating in a new and better world. We are living in unprecedented times. Humanity is suffering from the mindset of domination that originated from the idea that we could control and dominate nature. As men, we need to come to terms with the way we are treating Mother Earth as non-living entity. In the lodges of our people, our elders tell us that a man will only be a man once he has been initiated by Mother Earth. The land itself is the source of the solutions to the identity crisis and symptoms we are facing. There is spirit in the land that can revive our individual identity. We start to feel the voice of the land. Our primary role as men is to stand up for what is right and to put efforts toward creating a more peaceful world. In the world of the indigenous, we have always relied upon the spiritual realm to guide us in our lives. The spirit is the essence of our nature as human beings, and equally important as the emotions, the body, and mind. Through our spirit, we are connected with the greater universe. The challenge of humanity today is to fully understand the influence that spirit can have on our individual lives. The root cause of what has brought us to where we are today, with our many challenges as humanity, is our mistreatment of the land. Where we have gone wrong as humanity is in accepting the false notion that human beings are intended to dominate and control nature. Mother Earth is a living being with an intelligence, a heart of love for all her children. And self enforcing laws of our own. For those who know how to read the Book of Nature, the earth can provide direction on how to live in a sustainable and respectful way. The earth is our source of life. Now, see the serious impacts of the introduction of harmful pollutants into nature. Pollution crosses all borders and is a global problem. The three major types of pollution are pollution of the air, water, And the land, all living things from one celled microbes to blue whales depend on our earth's supply of air and water. When the elements of life are polluted, all forms of life are threatened. Our health as human beings is very connected to the health of the earth. The temple of our spirit is polluted by the processed foods we are eating, filled with so many chemicals and even contaminated natural foods that play a part in many of our illnesses today. We need a strong, healthy body to keep the spirit giving us the inspiration to do what is morally right. We must take some responsibility for the poisons we are putting into our bodies. Recent research has linked dirty air to increased suicides. Other research shows that growing up in polluted places increases the risk of mental disorders. And that air pollution causes reductions in intelligence and is linked to dementia. Despite the challenges all around us, the massive amounts of information, the unfairness, the daily news about violence, climate change, and pandemics, we must still take responsibility for keeping our minds positive. Our emotions are all negatively impacted when you go to a traditional healer or elder. The first question they will ask you is, how are you feeling? The thoughts in our mind determine how we act out our feelings. One of the most powerful emotions reflected in the media and social media is anger. Many don't know how to handle anger. The elders would say, you darken your heart with anger that quickly turns to hatred. The emotional being of an individual contributes to a negative or positive impact on their well-being. Our emotional well-being depends on living in an environment with more joy, more happiness, more emotion from the heart. If one is angry, this leads to a negative impact on the whole body. It works against the natural immune system. It is our responsibility to balance our emotions. We need to find grace in life that at times will be sad, depressed, and hurt. as countries around the world become wealthier. Certain forms of pollution tend to increase. Countries with growing economies usually need more power plants, which produce more pollutants. The earth cannot continue to sustain us under distress. Reducing pollution not only requires environmental, economic, and political leadership, but also a spiritual resolution. The elders and knowledge keepers of our nations always tell us that recognizing and developing the spiritual foundation is the most important part of the solution to our crisis as humanity. And yet, it is something that isn't talked about in the public sphere. There is a momentous power of human spirit, and we have a tremendous capacity to change our reality through acting out the essence of our heart. Knowing this is so empowering. Within the root of our heart is where our original instructions live in eternity, complete with our identity, purpose, and natural values of kindness. Human beings require nothing less than a change of heart to address the challenges of the world today, to create a new, viable, sustainable narrative for life on this planet. We need to change the global narrative to a paradigm based on a foundation of values in line with the natural laws of nature. True humanity is built on values that stem from the heart, being kind, humble, showing respect, and loving all of creation. As a people, we have evolved many thousands of years with a spirituality of values, laws inclusive to all life that help us to be kind and live in a good way on Mother Earth. The ancestors of our nations left us a footprint, a path to follow. As the first peoples, we've always been guided by our visions and dreams in the same way as other spiritual traditions around the world. Our spirituality represents the foundation of our identity as a people and can help set a new foundation and a new narrative around the globe that is inclusive and in respecting the diversity of the human family. We must begin from the internal part of our nature that we call the spirit. We have been denying the most important part of ourselves. In spirit, we came into the wombs of our mothers, who was the life givers of our nations, have the sacred gift to bring a spiritual being into the physical world. In spirit, we come into this world bestowed with a purpose and meaning that each of us has to discover for ourselves. The spirit holds the memory of our original instructions and purpose and meaning of being human. The spirit carries the essence of the values we need to live by to ensure the earth, our home, is respected and safeguarded for the future of our children. In my life, I have learned That spirit is the most important element of life. The spirit defines the identity of every living being. Much of this remains a mystery that we will never know until we reach the end of our physical identity. What is of the utmost importance is understanding our purpose while living this human life. The answer is internal. This is where our identity derives from. To know our true spiritual identity has been a challenge for humanity since the beginning of its own birth. The questions that we need to ask are Who are we as human beings? What is our purpose on this planet that brings life? What is our ultimate purpose? The answer is found within our own being, within our spirit. How do we make that journey within to find ourselves? To make that journey, one must make the choice freely. It is a journey to leave the comfort of our own minds. Ancient peoples have always known the importance of this journey to the spirit within. As indigenous peoples, the vision quest is the rite of passage that leads one to the spirit within themselves and to the spiritual realm that we are all surrounded by. Spirit is the life force of the universe. It is an energy that unites all of creation. That energy is love, the vision of the great mystery. Life cannot exist without that spirit, this energy of love. For thousands of years, the vision quest has been the rite of passage to manhood for young indigenous boys. Boys become men by being initiated by woman in a process that is started by their own mothers. And at the age of puberty, they go to the land to fast for four days on Mother Earth, the first mother and the source of life for us all reaching out in humbleness to the Great Spirit to bring them a vision or a dream that will help bring meaning and purpose to their life. This rite of passage teaches the young boy no one can find his life for him but himself. Most of the questions that we have in life cannot be answered until we have earned the right to receive the answer. Young women also have their rites of passage best explained by the grandmothers. They hold a deep, sacred understanding of the preciousness of life. Each person needs to make their journey to the land, to feel their own spirit and find their own identity. No human being can ever tell another what their identity should be. Only once that journey has been made, will one love themselves as they are. The world is in need of a new thought, a new plan, a new vision. It begins by returning to the spirit and the land, to nurture a sacred relationship. There is no greater way to show appreciation and gratitude to the creator than by loving the land and returning the love the land is giving to us. Each of us has a beautiful gift. We are not the same, and that uniqueness within the human family is there to create a better world. As long as we breathe, we have the capacity to love. To do anything less diminishes ourselves, and brings a lot of suffering, not only to ourselves, but everyone and everything around us. Yes, suffering has its purpose and can help us to learn. There will always be suffering. This is a part of life. The suffering we experience can lead us to a greater understanding. No matter how we look at life, at the end of the day, it's about how we have lived each day. This is something we should reflect on each day before we close our eyes. Did I follow the plan of the Spirit? Did I do any good deeds today? Did I express kindness with each breath of life I have been given? If we can reach that part of ourselves that inspires the best in each of us, then we will live by sacred values. We must begin by showing respect for all life. The earth has a spiritual nature to her. Otherwise, she would not be able to generate life. To continue to treat the earth with disrespect and to disregard her natural laws will lead to our demise as human beings. From the earth herself, we learn to show reverence for all that she gives for our survival. In return, we begin to live by giving of ourselves. The greatest secret to having a good life is to give. By giving and sharing what we have, we essentially model the earth herself Learning to give is the beginning of nurturing our own spirit within each of us. We must begin to give to the earth for her to heal herself. In doing this, we must be prepared to give and to share with efforts that support sustainability. To show esteem for the earth, we must honor the natural laws. We must stop now and consider what nature is trying to show us. Nature is sending us messages through the winds. Through the animals and through signs such as viruses, showing us that we are not in control and we must begin to comply with natural laws. If one is fortunate to have wealth, one's challenge is to be able to share this wealth, giving to a cause that support efforts and having a closer relationship with the land. The real giving is giving of oneself and becoming stewards of the land. And there are many kinds of examples and opportunities available for those wishing to help nature. We need to prioritize teaching the children. The education system needs to be revolutionized to help the children live their dreams in the spirit of being free. As much as we love our children, ultimately, our children have to find themselves. We do have the responsibility to provide them with the right tools and the best education that supports their purpose and meaning of being human and having a relationship with the land Every child should have that same equal opportunity. Mentorship by knowledge keepers can support the youth in knowing and feeling the land. Knowledge keepers can lead by creating earth-centered approaches, including rites of passage and ancient approaches of connecting to the land. Learning to read the book of nature gives our youth the best chance of surviving following natural law. There is no one panacea to solve all problems. Nature operates on the principle of balance. Working together with diverse approaches based on sacred values helps keep the balance. Together, we can develop Earth Stewardship initiatives, grounding scientific knowledge with a foundation of natural law. One of the most significant laws of nature is the law of balance. Nature will now bring back balance, and in doing so, we will witness the real power and force of nature. Our idea of survival will change drastically. In bringing back balance, much of what is destroying life will be removed. Nature does not negotiate her laws. They are self-enforcing for the good of all life and all creation. Nature connects out of the love and kindness she has for us. We are not exempt from natural law. Nature is always moving in order to achieve balance. The earth is appealing to us to give creation a chance. We have yet to realize the great power of the human spirit to give and to share and to help with educating the children about the earth and her natural laws. Give of yourself to all of creation through an act of kindness. Give of yourself to humanity in some way, motivated by the internal influence of your heart. When you put what do you put into your circle? Will return, keeping with the universal natural law of the circle. This is real change. This is the way of the heart. Reach into the deepest part of your being to show and give the earth the love that she has given to all of us. Miigwech. thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Thank you for that. Beautifully said. There's many, many pieces in there that I wanted to explore as you spoke and yeah many 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 places i almost want to just give that a, a minute or two to soak in to the mind and the body and the and the soul i think you know in the in the spirit of what this series has been all about which has been about elderhood and the wisdom from elders i would love to just lay the groundwork perhaps of having a better understanding of how you define Or what an elder is and its sort of definition and and parameters for you.
1: You know, that's a question that's been asked many times as to who qualifies to being an elder. And I've heard through the great wisdom of the grandmothers that it's not for any one of us to to self-identify as elders or whatever, that it belongs to the community to to decide if you're an elder or not. Really rely on the on the people themselves to confirm. You know the people that they wish to have as as mentors in their nation, and it's a natural process that we still follow today. That some young people, you know, will put a lot of effort into learning and they become and they carry a lot of wisdom that they're able to to share many things that even other elders have not been able to learn. So really, it's it's decided by the people themselves, and we are not allowed to, you know, to to talk about another elder or knowledge keeper, we are there to support each other, that everyone has a right to pick their mentor and their teacher. All we do is we ask the individual, you know, to go into meditation or into prayer and to ask for the, the mentorship that, that they deserve. You know, I've said many, many times with the young people today that what they need is mentorship, you know, from people that have the experience and understanding of life itself. But also added to that, you know, are people that, that still have remained faithful to and maintain the remembrance of the, the laws that were practiced by a people for tens of thousands of years, given, you know, the challenges that we are having today as humanity, you know, that we need, you know, the help of, of everyone. And part of our challenge today, you know, is to try to create that spirit of unity amongst ourselves as a family. Everybody has a role in terms of a community. But, you know, how do, we, how do we develop a community? In developing a community, every individual has a responsibility. And it's to try to encourage and inspire those that, that are seeking guidance. First of all, recognize and understand that we all have an individual responsibility to be the leaders in our own life. We don't have to depend on someone. We depend on, our, on ourselves. Because within our own being is is the, the knowledge that we're seeking that will help us, you know, to lead our own individual life in being responsible.
0: Wonderful. Thank you for that. I I think that's kind of been the, the common consensus amongst the other men that I've spoken with through this series is that in some ways the community is the one that's sort of choosing to choosing the elders, you know, who sort of goes forward. I'd like to get your sense on what do you see as being the sort of collective cultural and, and societal wounds that we're carrying? I know you, you've you described quite a bit of it in terms of the way that we're treating nature, the, the manner in which perhaps we treat one another as a byproduct of that. How do we begin to engage with that? How do we begin to engage with that collectively, whether that's online virtually like this or how do people begin to, like, where do they start?
1: You know, I suppose that that there's many many different ways to engage you know the sharing of knowledge, and certainly you know in the the current times you know the virtual reality seems one very one way that people are doing it today. What I always try to encourage individuals you know to do is first of all you know is take uh, begin by having a relationship with the land itself because it's it's a spiritual experience that you need to to have in order to be able to feel. The land itself. The majority of the human population are in urban centers, and a lot of people have asked the questions: What can they do? In, you know, to feel the land, to feel that spirit, and you know, and, and what it takes is effort and commitment for someone and say, "Well, I'm I'm going to go and find someplace by a lake, or I'm going to go somewhere." There's a lot of places left that we can still make that journey to sit on the land and to really, really try to put that effort of being open. Be open to hearing what nature is saying. But just as important, you know, be open to feel the warmth of the land itself. And one of the exercises that I've used many, many times with particularly young children, when I take them out into the forest to talk to the trees, and to some of the older students, you know, they think that's a ridiculous idea, even more so with adults, that, you know, that you're able to communicate with a tree. And over and over again, as I've taken the children out to the land, they always come back with a story that's been told to them from the tree. So the tree has a lot of knowledge. A lot of the knowledge that we look for, you know, is really on the land itself. The real knowledge is on the land itself. You know, I like to read. I, I want to educate myself in what other people are thinking, too. But my best experiences has always been on the land because the land has the ability to touch your own spirit that suddenly acknowledges, you know, you wonder where it came from. Like if you try sometime and you're sitting on the land, you start to write, and then all of a sudden something has taken over your pen and you're writing something that you've never even thought about. That pen or pencil, you know, is is being influenced by the spirit towards your own spirit, you know, to be able to write some thoughts. And the challenge today, of course, you know, is how are we going to reach, you know, the, the spirit to become more unified as humanity, recognizing that there is diversity within the human family. How do we reconcile those differences, you know, in humanity and say, you know, we're one people. And that's always been very strong within the belief system of Indigenous people that we are all related. We're all brothers and sisters. And that is the truth. We are. We are all related. And each of us have something to contribute. And I think that in order to... in order to reach that spirit of, of unity, to, to reach the collective, becoming comfortable in terms of what we can share, you know, to create a, a greater understanding. And there, we don't have the answers. Like many people will ask us questions. We don't have the answer because the answers are really waiting for us on the land itself, you know, because the big question, you know, I think that people are asking, how are we going to survive if the current technology, you know, that we're using today will not be used? How are we going to survive? Which is a good question. I don't have an answer for that, except to say that it's relationship with the land, that the land would never betray any one of us, that we will find a way to survive. I think our biggest challenge is we have to move beyond the selfishness and reach that level of being able to share and to give. You know, we live in a country full of abundance. And yet, you know, there's there's poverty, there's homeless, there's and I can't understand that. I cannot understand that we pride ourselves in. You know, and evolving to such a high technology and, and all of that. But we have not been able to find a way to bring peace in our own land where, to, where, you know, where every human being is treated, you know, with respect, you know, and all of that. And I, I think that's, that's the discussion that has to take place. And it has to, it has to happen with people that are thinking from their heart, not from their head is thinking from their heart and listening from their heart. I think together we will be able to find that direction that we need to go in order to ensure that there will be a future for our children.
0: Yeah, well well said. As you, were, as you were talking there, a few things popped up. I remember I had a memory come forward of my grandfather being at his home and he would take me out of the backyard and ask me what the plants were saying. <laughs> you know, what's this tree saying? What's the bush saying? And 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 as a kid, I just I thought it was so normal. You know, it was like, yeah, I mean it's it's saying this. And we would talk about stories, and he would tell me stories about the deer and the wolverine, and like they were they were real characters, you know, they're real personalities. And there's some of my fondest memories. Like I remember waking up and when my grandfather, and grandmother was staying with us, like I would wake up early and bolt downstairs in their room and I would hop in their bed and be like, grandfather, tell me a story, you know. And and he just would come up with these incredible tales about the animals and the land and nature and the trees and the lake. And I have a four and a half month old son now. And every morning, part of my routine has been to take him whatever time he wakes up and to go, we live right on a lake and to go stand outside and to put him in the grass with me, You know, to just sit and look at the lake and sit by the tree and to just take that time. And that hasn't always been the case. I used to, like, you know, for a few years, we lived in Manhattan, which is devoid of nature. And it was such a, I, you know, it really, I, I disliked it. I really disliked it. So all of that came flooding in. So I, <laughs> I just had to share that with you. And before I ask my next question, I, before I forget, you talked about the book of nature. And I think you've alluded to how we can begin to read this book but I'm hoping that you can speak more to that and, and where we begin and how we begin to have the text of that book revealed for us and through us.
1: You know, what I've found really interesting, and especially with, with children, when you take them out to the land, don't uh, start giving them teachings because they're going to they're gonna ask some really profound questions that sometimes they're not going to be able to answer. But to allow that child, you know, to, to freely express because when they're on the land, they're going to feel and they're going to see and they're going to have a lot of questions. You don't have to worry about having anything prepared and taking your children on the land because it's already there for you. It's more than just a physical entity, but rather there's a spiritual nature to the plants and to the animals and to all of that. You know, and I, uh, I remember meeting with this one elder from Peru and we were talking about natural medicine. And he said, you know, there's a plant that that we have. He said that uh, if you eat that plant, he said, you will automatically understand what respect is. The essence of that plant fills you with this value of respect. Can you believe that? Now, think about all the other teachings that are on the land through the plants and the animals. And for us as you know, Indigenous people in this area, you know, we've always relied on the animals to, you know, to bring us the teachings. Like the, just recently, we released these vignettes, you know, introducing to the world, you know, the, the seven laws of our people that we've practiced in this area for thousands of years. And then we use the animals as a connection to nature. And I think that is what's really missing in today's world, is that connection and relationship to the land that we still continue to... To see it you know as it's not a living entity, and it's easy to pollute the earth you know the way that's happening today because we don't see that that we're literally choking Mother Earth, we're poisoning you know her her blood that is the water of the land itself. There's a lot that can be done, and I think that the book of nature itself cannot be literally intellectualized into a book, but rather the book of nature is the land itself, the trees, the birds. The fish, everything that you see on the land carries a teaching. It carries something, It carries a message. I remember, you know, going on my first vision quest and the elder told me, you're going to get many different kinds of messengers, be ready. And I had no idea, you know, what messengers they were talking about. And, you know, the first messenger that came was the mosquito. They came by the thousands. And then that was a profound moment in my life. That little mosquito, was he gonna chase me off my vision quest? Was I gonna go back to the elder? Said, I can't do it because the mosquito chased me out. But because of my sheer determination, <laughs> I found a way to have a relationship with the mosquito and I considered them, you know, my, my relatives today, my brothers. I talked to them, you know, they kept me exercising while I was in the teepee, you know. And I remember the elder said, Don't pray. And kill the mosquito at the same time. So, you know, it's, there's always messengers. And even during the time that I was on my vision quest, this bumblebee would come and fly under my drum and I'd watch it. And I, I remember what the elder had said, that, you know, the messenger can come in many different ways. And I said, well, maybe this is the messenger. I wonder what he's going to do. Is he going to sting me? Or, you know, I had all these thoughts in my mind, but he went, kept going under the, the drum that I was carrying. Then he would leave and he did that all the, during the time. And it was shortly after that, I started to sing. And those songs must have came, you know, from that messenger. But there were there was other messengers, you know, just in within the, those four short nights and days that I spent with no food and water. Why I believe in the rite of passage so much, because, you know, to me personally, it really helped me. And I know that it's helped a lot of young boys become the men that they are today.
0: Yeah, that was, that was one of the things I actually wanted to ask you about. Those are, those are wonderful stories, by the way. What do you feel is the sort of cultural, societal impact when we lack initiation? Like, what's the impact on us as men when we aren't initiated?
1: I think that given, you know, the statistics that I've seen, you know, I work with a lot of doctors and I, you know, and I see you know, some of the symptoms that if we can talk about men for a while, you know, that there seems to be a really high level of depression. And I'm sure there's a lot of other issues that they face. But to me, you know, the root of the problem is not having the their identity addressed as to who they are and what their purpose in life is. And again, it goes back to, like, in our case, you know, the rite of passage. It doesn't matter how old you are. You know, if you have not gone on a, on a rite of passage, you're going to remain a boy for the rest of your life. And I've said that many times. A lot of guys don't like it, but... <laughs> But it is true, you know, that we have to be initiated by that source of life that we call Mother Earth. And if we could, you know, and even encourage men today to take their sons with, you know, and, and find a mentor. We've done quite a bit of work here in this area, you know, to help men and young boys, you know, to go through that rite of passage, you know, to give them that opportunity. And I, that's what I ask for, for young, for the young boys. It doesn't matter what race you come from, because we all have the same spirit. You know, every young child needs that opportunity, you know, an ancient rite of passage that can help them to find purpose in their life. Because, and I think that that's the question I think that a lot of men are having and say, well, what am I supposed to be doing? You know, is it having a job from nine to five? You know, all of those, they know something's missing because they're feeling it. They feel something's missing, but they don't know what it is. And I think what they're feeling is a loss of that spirit. And to me, you know, the the other thing I find, there there's a lot of grieving. There's a lot of grieving that's going on. Grieving loss of friends, family. But there's another important one, I feel, which is the most important one, the grieving of the land, that relationship to the land. They're grieving to be back on the land, to feel the land, you know, the way that their ancestors, because all our ancestors, I believe, followed an Indigenous way you know, of living, but something turned that around, you know, creating a world based on whatever, you know, but but it's not helping. It's not helping us. We're destroying nature. And then we have, we really, really have to stop. And I think the efforts that you're making with Man Talks, you know, is is one very important initiative that is going to help. I know that the work that you're doing by allowing people like myself and others to share with little bit that we know, you know, that uh, there is a way out of this for all of us. But we have to rely on that part of our being that I always talk about is the spiritual part of our nature. And that's very, very hard to intellectualize because I'm asked that question many times. Well, what is spirit? And spirit is beyond words, is beyond intellectual understanding. It's something you have to feel. You just have to feel it. That's the only way that you will come to some understanding, you know, what spirit is all about. So we, you know, that the men today, you know, are being offered a, a big challenge to correct the wrongs. For example, like indigenous people, you know, we've had a really dark history. A lot of these wrongs have to be corrected. You know, and it's going to take people like yourself, you know, to see that, you know, we have to seize on that opportunity together, that through our own suffering and through the sharing of whatever we have, that we can really create a better world for our children.
0: I appreciate that perspective. And I'm curious, you know, one of the previous guests, Francis Weller, we talked a little bit about initiation, the role that it plays. And from a lot of the work that I've done, whether it's my own initiatory experiences that I've been through or the work that we lead with men, there comes a time in the initiation where a, a kind of confrontation happens. And that confrontation is with something that we can't necessarily defeat or overcome, that we that we are forced into a kind of surrendering or, or allowing or opening or, you know, some, some action. I'm, I'm wondering if, That has been your experience and where you see confrontation fitting in into this dynamic. Like Francis says that there's a confrontation with death through initiation. I was wondering to get your perspective.
1: I would word that differently rather than confrontation, but rather like revelation of our own purpose and meaning. You know, I think that we live in our life not really knowing things that are most most important. And then I find that so many people particularly men running away from themselves. They don't want to face themselves. They don't want to face the truth that they feel, you know, that needs to be faced. And they don't want to answer the call. You know, it comes from a higher source of, of influence that we call the spirit. Because we're called. All of us are called. And we're afraid to answer that call. Because it could mean we have to change our, the way we're living. It may mean that we have to give up a lot of things. But that calling is there for everyone. And it's unfortunate that people can see there's a conflict, but rather, you know, it's a a challenge too. Because many times the dreams will, will tell us, you know, and confirm that we are being asked to do something. And, you know, we've always relied on the spiritual realm as the higher source of intelligence. In our world, you know, in the spirit world, we go to the Central Council fire of elders of the past you know, that sit around a fire, a sacred fire, they, they they wait for us to call, you know, because we need direction. We need uh, guidance in our life. And Indigenous people, you know, have always relied on that higher source of influence to guide them. And we would not have been able to survive, you know, the attempt to destroy us if we did not have those amongst our nations that remained faithful and loyal to that relationship, to that higher source of intelligence. And, that, and it's all around us. We're surrounded by that intelligence, you know, every day, even if when you move your hand through the air, you you feel something and it's that energy, it's that spirit, you know, that's around, that's always there waiting for us to call. Are we going to, to accept, you know, what the call will be? Or I'll say, no, I don't like that. Give me something else because that's our mind. We're always working in conflict in terms of what our mind thinks we should do and what our spirit tells us that we should be doing.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. I am curious. You know, you mentioned natural medicine, and I know that it's a very. I think how a lot of people are coming into their own forms of initiation or trying to create some form of initiation in their life is through plant-based medicine, whether it's in South America or or in North America or wherever. And I'm curious how what that natural medicine looks like within your within your culture, and, and maybe the the broader role that you see natural or plant medicine playing within the path forward
1: i don't think there's any doubt or any question that we're going to have you know we're challenged to go back to the root medicines that are there you know to help us to detoxify you know from what we have done to to our bodies and and our whole being and we do have people that are gifted to to be able to have relationship with the plants you know to get the medicines that we need but certainly you know there's a major detoxification process that, that needs to happen in order to clean the blood from the contaminants, you know, that we're taking. Because not only are we eating, you know, a lot of those contaminants, we're breeding them in too because the air has become so, so polluted also. So we've been affected in every way and we're going to depend more and more on the plant nation to be able to help us get through this. So that means, you know, more of what is natural and we're all going to be challenged with that to find these medicines that, that are still on the land And what's really unfortunate, you know, is that the land has also, you know, been uh, polluted and poisoned, you know, because of, of industry. Certainly in this area here, there was a paper mill that was in operation since 1926. And they destroyed the whole environment here. They destroyed a beautiful river. They poisoned the land with all their chemicals to try and speed the growth of one particular tree. So it went into the whole web of life. You know, the animals all got sick. And there's certain animals we don't know how to eat today because they're still contaminated from, you know, from those pollutants that they spread all over the forest in order to get at the trees. And what they did, of course, is they stripped the forest of the biggest trees. And that industry has since left, left an area, you know, totally deprived of its naturalness. So even the plants we have to be really careful with, even the animals, the, mass, the animals that are still on the land, there are certain parts of the animal we're not allowed to eat, like the liver, the kidneys and all that, because they're already, there's, there's a coloration of the inside of those animals showing us they're already sick. So, that you know, we're facing tremendous challenge here. And then we're going to have to rely again on each other to find ways and means of how we're going to survive. And I've said many times, you know, we're, we're on the same ship now. There is no time now for separation we're going to have to get along in order to to survive because what's coming you know is, is not something that is going to be easy for any one of us because nature you know has is not finished in terms of bringing this planet back to balance these forces are going to continue i think now is the time to prepare for what's coming and certainly the plant you know the plants we're going to need in order to survive in every culture there are gifted people that are needed to help in the survival of that culture. But now we're looking at the culture of humanity now. We're looking at a whole, the whole earth itself with the diversity of the talent of people around the world. I've been very fortunate, you know, to talk to people from around the world, spiritual people, you know, and we're, we're basically all saying the same thing, that we have to create more opportunities to get together and to share what we have. And we're beginning to do a lot of that today. And medicines is one very important part of that survival, is to try and you know understand those plants and the medicines that that we need in order to stay healthy.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. I mean, it's uh, what's interesting about what you're saying in terms of nature is not done, and the air that we're breathing is is being affected by that. I had a recent guest on my show, a doctor who was talking about the the current you know pandemic and virus that we're living in, and and did a whole breakdown and presentation on how the quality of air there's a direct correlation to where the hot spots of the virus are breaking out to the quality of air and how much excessive levels of carbon or toxins are actually in the air in those areas, and so we're you know even with this we're starting to see that it's it's something that we can't escape. You said sort of you know we need to prepare how do we begin to prepare our children for something like this because I think one of the things that we're seeing is there's such a high level of anxiety and existential dread you know like we're seeing kids that have real physical existential dread of knowing then being able to viscerally feel what is happening and what's coming so i maybe that's an unanswerable question but i just wanted to throw it to you
1: and i you know i would have to repeat what's been repeated many many times in the lodges and the knowledge keepers of my people and they say always return to the beginning to understand, you know, who you are, and the beginning is all is representative and reflective of spirit. This is the challenge we have today. We're not going to move forward as humanity until we come to accept that spirit is one very important element of our being. We cannot continue to live out of balance and not accepting that part of our nature that we call the spirit. And this is where indigenous people, I feel, or other indigenous people that have held on to the significance and the importance of understanding you know, that spiritual part of our nature, you have to experience the ceremony itself. Like that's, you know, I run a lodge here and, you know, I will never do anything in that lodge without following the protocol of ceremonial context to everything that we do. Then the discussion happens because you have to, we have these gifts that have the power to invoke the spirit to come within our presence, you know, to inspire us, allow us to feel you know, the presence of that spirit. I have had hundreds of people come into the lodge and they all say the same thing. I don't know what I'm feeling, but it sure feels good. And it's, it's the invoking of that spirit that is that is brought within that environment of the things that we do. And this is what I believe is our biggest challenge as adults and parents, creating that opportunity for children, young children. And children have no prejudice. You know, it's been my experience with children. You know, they're like sponges. And they're 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 open to learning, and what they, they want to feel is no different than what we want to feel. Is they want to feel, they want to feel loved, and they want to give love. You know that's so strong in them. You know, and then we have to be able to allow them to feel the presence of that essence of the love that spirit brings, because that's what spirit is. Spirit is about that energy, and that's what you invoke. You can't, we can't invoke that spirit in anger. It don't come to us. We have to be what we want things to be. We have have to show that kindness and all of that. And if we could create, you know, places, you know, where we can do that, where Indigenous people, you know, are allowed to share what I'm sharing here this evening, but the actual physical, spiritual experience. Because, you know, it's only been recent times that Indigenous people, you know, have been allowed to practice our identity because it was against the law in this country to even speak our language. So we're on a real time of recovery too, but that doesn't mean you know we're we're not open to helping anyone that wants to make that search of themselves and who they are in a spiritual way. It's not about religion, you know. It's about what is in each and every one of us. It's that essence of that spirit. I think that is what is really important. And of course, as indigenous people, you know, we have people today that have that knowledge. But you know, we what we need is. You know some support. You know to support the infrastructure of and having the capacity to be able to welcome more people. You know with the work that we do, and it's not our way to go cap and hand to anybody. Would rather to create opportunities for people to give. They feel well. I think this is a worthy cause. You know, and that's that's the way it should be. Anyways. I us.
0: Hey, I agree. I agree completely. So I'm gonna. I'm just gonna turn to the questions that some of our attendees and guests that have been listening to our conversation have. I'm going to start first, just with the the simple one. Simple one. <laughs> how how might one approach taking a vision quest? Where do we begin with that? Yeah.
1: Well, you know, I, I I would say that first of all, you know, to make sure that you have a mentor that that has experience in taking, you know, someone out on a vision quest. Depending where someone is from, you know that the, you know, that there's a certain amount of effort that will have to be made to to try and search out that person, but to find someone that can, can mentor you. And certainly here, you know, at the, at the Turtle Lodge, you know, we, we have a website that, you know, we get a lot of emails and a lot of people want to participate. So we try to create that support, you know, as much as we can. But I would say, you know, first of all, try and seek out a mentor. Look around, talk to people, because there's many people that are self-proclaimed. So you got to be careful, too you know, that there's one that they, they know what they're doing and people will know. The <laughs> people will know. Who they <laughs> but that would be the first thing. And whoever's asking the question, I would really, really encourage them, you know, to go on that vision quest. You know, if you're feeling it, then that call is there. Get out there and go and feel the land.
0: Thank you, well said. Another question here is, this, thank you for this message. My question is, due to the tragedy of the commons, individuals will always seek to maximize their self-interest to the detriment of the greater whole. Even if we choose to embrace the message that you speak as an individual man, what can I or what can we do to inform and appeal to others?
1: You know, I think the question is really easy to answer. It's just to be yourself. You know, if you have a kind, caring heart that, that you want to reflect kindness, that's all you need. Everything else will fall in place. To me, you know, it is, is the people of the heart that that really are the hope for the future for all of us. People that are able to show kindness, and there's there's a magic to that that seems to happen. You know, an act of kindness brings back such a return of abundance. And I always like to share the story of my mother that when you know she was quite ill already in her life, and she couldn't make it to the feast that I was having at the lodge, and I brought her some food, and I knocked on the door, and she was sitting in the by the table in the kitchen in her home. Came and she was smiling that I was there. We used to laugh and laugh. And I loved my mother so much. And I brought her that food. So we shared stories, laughed, and then it was time for me to go. And then as I walked to the door, I heard her voice in our language. And she said, which means my son, my son. I said, yeah. And she said, I said, this is the profound teaching of a grandmother, of a mother. She said, this good deed that you did today, the great spirit will pay you, will reward you. We seem to want reward from the limits of our own, our own being and our own physicalness, but the real reward comes from spirit. And I picked up that, and it, you know, and I, I tattooed it to my heart. You know, this good deed that you do today, the great spirit will, will reward you. And that is the truth. You know, you talk to any people that have shown expression of kindness and what it's done in their life. Sure, we have challenges. Sure, we, we have problems like everybody else. But kindness kind of levels everything out, makes things better.
0: That's good. That's good. I feel like there's a, I have an ongoing joke just to, to fill you in on this, that that we're going to produce t-shirts with quotes on them from this elder series <laughs> and uh, it's just a joke but but i feel like your yours right there was what's tattooed on your heart question, that'd be the question let me the question on the t-shirt what's tattooed on your heart
1: that's a good one we
0: go. yeah, there, we, there we go i am going to send it to you here is here's another question that says francis weller who was one of our previous guests says that we are waking up wounded noticing men dividing themselves against one another based on mere consistent controversies, aka the social norm of domination, sometimes regarded as one-upping? How do I remain resilient, compassionate, and self-led as peers, seek out my weaknesses and focus on my deficits? How do I keep a watchful eye upon this darkening of the social heart and keep my inner territory both softening and strengthening?
1: First of all, the individual that asks the question is asking the right questions, (laughs) I always remember, you know, the elders said, finally, someone asked the right question. But I think the question that he's asking is really to to his own benefit of, you know, his, his own search. And certainly, you know, the system that we live under, you know, particularly the economic structures that are there are very overwhelming. You know, it's not easy to break out of that. So there, you know, yes, we have a lot of challenges, but if. We find that part of our nature, that part of our self that we call the spirit. There is nothing more powerful than that. I can say that with all honesty. From my own experience in life, there is nothing more powerful. There's a shining blue light inside of you, which is the essence of your life and every living entity. That individual that asked that question, there's a shining blue light which defines who he is, that essence of life of of his purpose and his identity. You know, and once you're able to feel comfortable in your own identity, you can take on these other things. They're not going to bother you so much, you know, because you're going to feel comfortable finally in being who you are. It's always like trying to be like someone else that we get into problems. We want to imitate in order to belong, you know, and when, when what we should be doing is, you know, following that part of our nature, you know, of our own identity to be unique, you know, to be free you know, to be who we should be, you know, in the way that we have been created. So this individual, you know, I, I understand what he's saying, because many people are faced with the very same thing, you know, being overwhelmed by a system that the minute that you try to pull yourself out of it, they, they can attack you. They'll criticize you for wanting to be different. But we're all different in that sense. We're all unique.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I love that, that keep my inner territory both softening and strengthening. Okay, question here. This says, I love the honor built into how Elder Nee refers to grandmothers. Women in Western culture is degrade in the community's eyes with regard to her value as she ages. It's quite grievous to the community and a missing part of the cycle of living. I would love to learn of his view, your view, of the role of the woman as she ages what she teaches us in her natural progression, but also the intentional role that she assumes when she is welcomed into the space of community.
1: You know, in our society as Indigenous people, you know, we have what we call Grandmother's Law. And that's just below the Creator's Law if it's not following the Creator's Law. But she is supreme in terms of guiding and correcting the community, correcting the, the nation. It is the woman, the grandmother, that holds that power to be able to influence the way that the community is guided and directed. And, you know, there's one thing, you know, if if we do something wrong and we we get caught, we don't want to go before the grandmother. You don't want to go before the grandmother's law (laughs) because she's going to be honest with you. But she's going to be loving and she's going to find a way for you to correct your behavior. If you've done something wrong, it must be corrected. And there's, there's no judgment when it comes to the grandmothers. It's love that they have. It's the grandmother's love, you know, that has always kept us. You know, it's the grandmother that is always there. And that is what we need more than ever in today's world, is for the men to support the grandmothers, to be put into the rightful place of influence. The grandmothers of all nations should be in the forefront of guiding all of us as men, because we do not have the gift you know, to create life. Women have been given that gift and they'll understand the deepness of the preciousness of that, that breadth of life. And what had happened to our people, you know, during the time of uh, the oppression when our children were taken away and put into boarding school, the first thing they did is they wiped out the grandmother's law and influence. The children came back home to our communities, not ever knowing about grandmother's law anymore because they were, they were taught something else. But that's all part of the revival that's going on across the country and in in our homeland right now. The grandmothers are, again, finding their rightful place. And it's up to us as men to support that. Because the other thing we're taught in our culture, the home belongs to the woman. That's her nest. She decides what happens in that, that nest, in that home. And the role of us men is to enforce that law that the mother says is what will apply in that home, what the children will learn, how that that home will be, is the law of the woman of that nest that must be protected, and enforced by the man himself.
0: Shivers, I got shivers on that one. That was good. It also it also brought to my grandparents are are heavy in this, or uh, very vibrant in this conversation. As you're talking about the grandmother, I got a memory of my grandfather coaxing me to go and steal freshly baked chocolate chip cookies that my grandmother would make. (laughs) And of course she, you know, she, she knew that we were taking them. And so she would count the cookies and every single, you know, every single time she started to catch on to the fact that we were taking the cookies and she started counting them. And then she'd come into the living room, you know, and we'd eaten the cookies and she'd stand there and she would just look at him. She wouldn't look at me. She would look straight at him. She's like, I know, and he's like, oh, we're busted, you know, and he, you know, he give me the elbow and he's like, oh, she busted us. <laughs> it was good. It was really good. Can you maybe speak a little bit more to, to Grandmother's Law? I feel like that's, that's something important. And then, you know, I would love to have you just maybe close out with any, any words that you want to share with us with our remaining, remaining time.
1: We're really talking about the laws of nature itself. You know, the grandmother is the best representative of the voice of the earth itself, you know, and it's not by accident or coincidence that our nations have always referred to the land as Mother Earth. She's what gives life. She's what creates that life. So, that you know, the grandmothers carry that natural gift to be able to, you know, to voice the, the teachings of the land itself. There's nothing more important today, you know, for our children than to hear from the grandmothers. About the laws that we should be following as human beings in order to have a good life, and the grandmothers have said over and over again, the Great Spirit, the Great Mystery, has given us everything we needed to have a good life. And we, you know, in our language, we say "menopimot" you know, is a good way of life. And why are we not enjoying that life? You know, we seem to be drawn away from that good way of life for many different reasons. But again, if we're ever going to find ourselves, then it must be our grandmothers, you know, that. That must be positioned into their rightful place of influence, the love that they carry there's nothing greater than watching a grandmother love the children. It's hard to explain, but you know when she comes walking into the room, she brings that spirit of kindness and love that you, you know you just want to embrace her for for just her presence as she as she comes into the space you know that's been created when people gather. It's really sad that we put our our elders into homes, you know, where they don't feel needed anymore. And yet they carry this abundance of knowledge just through the experience of their own life, of what works and what doesn't work. And we're so, you know, we're so willing to put the old people in a place that they feel that they're not needed anymore. And I don't think any one of us want to ever feel that way, that we're not needed, that we don't have something that we can contribute, you know, to the world. Maybe they may have a hard time getting around, but it's the younger generation that must be there to help them, and whatever they need in order to so that their voice is heard of the teachings that they hold and they carry.
0: Wonderful, thank you, thank you so much. I think we'll we'll pause there, and there's some great questions and some really really powerful conversation, and and your words felt nourishing in a very important way. So I just want to thank you. Thank you for your time, and thank you for your wisdom, and thank you for sharing your perspective. I actually wanted to ask maybe one final question, if that's okay. You know, now that now that I now that I almost close it up, I wanted to ask one final question. You know, I I grew up in in and around some of the areas where the recent events with the with Catholic schools and Indigenous people have been been going on, and I think it's something that a lot of people don't know how to reconcile with or support or even talk about. And so I don't necessarily have a direct question outside of maybe just giving you a minute to share your thoughts and perspective and maybe illuminate a little bit of, of like, where do we go from here? If if there are people like myself who are from there and, and are unsure how to navigate that water.
1: I think that, you know, what I'm experiencing today with the uncovering of what you know, was discovered the graves of these children in these institutions, you know, I think that it's created a very high level of awareness. And I think that there are good people out there. You know, they want to find a way to, to be a part of something that a lot of these wrongs can be corrected. And I would say that, you know, allow the Indigenous people to define that direction of healing that they need. We need. We know what we need to do. We know... That we cannot be an island unto ourselves; that we we need the support of everyone in order to create, you know, a better world. And, and I've said before, we're all in this together. And through the the suffering that we've had to go through as a people, there's also, you know, the positive side of maintaining our strength, you know, through during these difficult times. But again, it's a matter of being challenged as humanity to come together. And to try and find ways and means that these kind of things never happen again. You know, that children are taken away, even though that there are, you know, uh, institutions out there that kind of uh, run parallel to to the boarding schools and all that. But, you know, I think it's things like this that you're doing, that we're doing together. At least the dialogue is there that we're open to, you know, to offer our own feelings in terms of how how we can best achieve these challenges that we're confronted with to create a better world. And we must all be included in in terms of finding that solution together. It's not about one people anymore. It's about all of us, you know, showing that that spirit of respect, mutual respect for each other. And we will come up with, you know, what we need to do if we allow ourselves to be inspired, you know, by the spirit to guide us through this whole process
0: beautiful well i thank you again and uh, so much gratitude and appreciation for you and your time and your wisdom and for everyone that's out there thank you so much for joining us in this conversation and that's it that's it that wraps up the series so thank you for closing us out another day thank you
1: thank you very much
0: be well